Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. Well, thank you to everyone joining us on live stream. And uh, I'm excited about tonight because this is actually part one of a two-part series. So uh, we're talking about trust. Tonight, we're talking about trust the maker. Next Wednesday, we're going to be talking about trusting the process. It's the whole thing on trust. It's going to be awesome. But uh, going through this, uh, to be honest with you, God has really just been taking me on a journey of deepening my trust in him, moving it into new levels. And I realized I have, I have trust issues. I really do. And, um, but our world is full of untrustworthy people, right? Okay, so we've got media outlets. And there's one story. And there's five different perspectives. And you basically have to become Sherlock Holmes to, to, to determine what, what is, I don't know, what the truth is. I have no idea. And you have to dig. And it's like, all right, who's... Who do I trust? How does this work? And if someone were to come up to you and ask you if you trust God, you'd probably say, yeah, I, sure, I do. It feels a little like weird to say otherwise, like as a believer, you know, do you trust God? No. Ooh. <laughs> It was more of like a, how are you doing? You know, I wasn't really trying to dig into that. But uh, what's important to know is that our trust in God is not linear. There are levels. How I trusted Jason when we first got married versus how I trust him now is nowhere near the same level. You know, I trust that he knows how, how I like the bed to be made, the pillows are correct. He knows now, I trust him, that he knows how to correctly karate chop the pillow so that it's fluffed appropriately, okay? He's aware of that's, that's what we do, okay? There's, it's, that's non-negotiable. Does he, does he trust me with the lawn yet? No, but we're working on it, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, my trust in him has deepened and been strengthened, why? Because it's something that's been tested over a period of time. We've loved each other, sometimes we've disliked each other, sometimes. We've had some major fails, but we've also had some pretty major wins. And through all of that, the roots of trust have just continued to grow deeper. And that was something that only time and trial could produce in each of us. If you can look over your entire life up until now, God has brought you into a deeper level of trust. And most of the time, that's very hard fought. Whether that means... You're walking through a sickness or a physical disability, maybe a strained relationship with a family member or a friend, or you're walking through some sort of financial crisis. Maybe you're struggling with temptation. Maybe 
you've walked through a traumatic experience and you find yourself thrown into having to navigate grief. You, maybe you're walking through some depression or you're struggling to overcome anxious thoughts. Whatever, whatever that is or whatever it's been, as a believer, those moments propel us into a deeper level of our trust in God. Because I would say a lot of the time, we learn to trust God on that deeper level when we're put in situations where honestly we just, there's no other choice but to just trust Him. I mean, it just is what it is. That's, those are the situations sometimes we find ourselves in. And so we're going to walk through trust. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Common, so common. It's on everyone's fridge, okay? Everyone's pillow, everyone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Most of us, of us know this verse. Unpacking it, we're, I'm actually gonna look at verse six. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We hear the word acknowledge and it seems very casual because when we hear the word acknowledge, we're like, we, we think we're just tip of the hat. How are you? How's the weather? Hey bro, hey girl. It, it's very casual. All right, I've acknowledged you, moving on to the next thing. In this verse, there is nothing casual about the word acknowledge. In verse six, it means to know his ways inside and out, to recognize that he's the ultimate authority in our lives. Other translations say submit to, but the word acknowledge is more of an experiential word. It's active. It says in all of your ways, acknowledge him, which means everything means something to God. We do not have a spiritual compartment and a non-spiritual compartment. We are spiritual beings through and through in every single thing that we do. If we've learned anything from Tim, paying your bills is a spiritual act. Showing up to work on time is a spiritual act. Going to a restaurant is spiritual. Everything that we do, we do it acknowledging that God is the ultimate authority in our lives. And while I'm at, at Walmart, I should know his ways inside and out in everything I do. So if we back it up a little bit and we look at trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, knowing what we know about the word acknowledge, we can reread it. In every part of your life, with all of your heart, trust in God. Because when we know him inside and out and understand that he is the ultimate authority in our life, he will make our paths straight. It's not saying to give God a quick nod on Sundays and Wednesdays, occasionally at the lake, blah, 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 whatever that may be for you. It is active. We may trust him in certain areas of our lives, but this verse is saying to trust him in every single part of our lives. 
And so when we look at ourselves, it's really important that we ask ourselves, do I trust God in every single part of my life? Or are there parts that are off limits to him? You may trust him with your spouse, but not with your kids. You may trust him with your kids, but not with your money. You may trust him sitting in a chair, doing your quiet time, but not when he takes you out of your comfort zone. There are levels to our trust in God. And there are areas in all of our lives that we can say, yes, I trust him greatly, but there may be other areas in our lives that we may not let him touch. Because incorrectly coping with pain and disappointment and unmet expectations and the need to feel like we have to be in control often seems easier than letting God infiltrate those areas of our life. The lack of control that I would feel over that situation is far too much for me to handle. The trauma that I would have to relive, that's too, mu that's too much to let him infiltrate that. The things that I would have to again walk through and face is too much for me to handle to let him infiltrate that. Uh, recently, a month and a half ago, a month ago, two months ago, it's fuzzy. Um, my son Liam had eye surgery and it was very quick, very easy. He did wonderfully, went perfect. It was great. Um, he's, he just turned four and, uh, the surgery was to straighten his eye. And then now we're working on correcting the vision so that vision in his eye can, can get stronger. Leading up to that surgery, I remember I would talk to, oops, so sorry, I would talk to some of my friends about that and just like letting people know here's what's going on. And it was like not a big deal. It was like totally fine. It's going to be, it's so common. Surgeon has, you know, reassured me it's such a common surgery and it is not a big deal. You know, I'm totally cool until <laughs> one day I'm, I'm not, I'm totally not. And to be very transparent with you, I had a full-on anxiety attack that came on out of nowhere. I mean, and it was almost debilitating. I was frustrated. Where did this come from? And sitting, talking with my husband, who's very wise, basically speaks in one-liners, we I, I, I'm telling him this and he's talking to me. I don't know. He's he, like the Holy Spirit speaking through him. I don't know if that happens to you with your spouse, but, and it's great, but I needed to process it. And so when everybody went to bed, I stayed up and I started praying because clearly something's off. Something's not right. And as I'm praying, I feel that the Holy Spirit is leading me into confessing that I do not trust God with my son. And as soon as I said that, <laughs> relief, 
I did not feel condemned. I did not feel any disappointment. What he did was he reminded me of a word that he had given Jason and I concerning Liam. And uh, I didn't think I was going to do this. I apologize if weeping women makes you uncomfortable. (laughs) And what he reminded me of was that when we were pregnant with Liam, we really felt like the Holy Spirit had told us that he was going to be a pillar. A pillar. And what he told me, what I felt very strongly in that moment, is that pillars are built to be strong. And that comes through tension. And sidebar, side note, just want to let you know, and to encourage you to ask God for specific words over your children. Because in moments where you need them, the Holy Spirit will remind you of them and will direct your thinking. So in that moment, God pinpointed in me a trust issue. And then he reminded me of his own words. To strengthen me, to help me, to comfort me. And those things, levels of our trust in God are built when we allow him to infiltrate those areas and we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the areas that maybe we didn't even know that he needs control over. Y'all turn to Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah, in this passage, is, uh, you know, he's a major prophet, okay? He, speak, he hears from God. He speaks to God, to the people. In Jeremiah chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 1. It says, you will be righteous, Lord, even if I bring a case against you, yet I wish to contend with you. Just FYI, God, I understand. I'm just going to bring some complaints to you really quick. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the treacherous live at ease? You planted them and they have taken root. They've grown and produced fruit. You are ever on their lips, but far from their conscience. As for me, for you, Lord, you know me. You see me. You test whether my heart is with you. Drag the wicked away like sheep to slaughter and set them apart for the day of killing. And he goes on for a couple more verses. And he's like, when will this end? When will I have relief? And he's like, God, You know me. You see my heart. How am I the one suffering here? There are people who are living hypocritical lives. You are on their lips, but you are far from their minds. They don't know you. How are they prospering and I'm the one who's suffering? And is that not a question we seem to still have? How me? 
Why me? Why am I the one? God answers him in verse 5. If you have raced with runners and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in a peaceful land, what will you do in the thickets of Jordan? For even your brothers, your own father's family, they were treacherous to you. Even they cried out loudly after you. Don't have confidence in them, for they, uh, even though they speak well of you. And in this passage, Jeremiah is pouring out his heart to God. And what God answers him with is, how are you so untrusting of me in a peaceful land? How? When you're competing with men, are you so untrusting? What's going to happen when you compete with horses? And in this moment, God is challenging Jeremiah to increase his faith. Go deeper. I'm moving you up to a higher level of trust in me. But you have to trust me now. We're going to move on further to Jeremiah 17. A little bit farther in the story, we're going to look at verse 5. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from the Lord. He will be like a juniper in the Arabah, which is a, the desert. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land where no one lives. Verse 7 is a different tone. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Now these are pretty clear cut and dry. Here's a way you live blessed. Here's a way you live cursed. There's not much to it. What I want to look at is verse 7. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord is blessed. Now these are two different statements. These are not the same. Do we trust in what God does or do we trust in God himself? Do we trust and are we looking to God for what he can do for me? Or am I looking to God himself? Do I trust his character? Do I trust his integrity? Do I trust that he is good? Not just that he can do good things, but that he himself is good. And I think the most loaded question we can ask ourselves is, is he good to me? Do I believe and trust 
that God is good to me, to you. I see that he is good to other people. I see that he's doing things in the lives of other people. Do I trust in his goodness towards me? When we look at this chapter, it's interesting because just a few chapters before, Jeremiah is asking God some really, really hard questions. And a few chapters later, God is laying out, here's a cursed life, here's a blessed life, and it all has to do with our trust in him. How we trust him. God says, bless in the man who trusts me, not only for what I can do, but for who I am. And it talks about how worry and anxiety will not rule you. How intrusive thoughts telling you that I'm not good and not trustworthy will not rule you. And then it says... In verse 9, by the way, the heart is deceitful more than anything else, and it's incurable. Who can understand it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. Trust in me. And when we go back to Proverbs 3, it says, lean not on your own understanding. And the first part in Jeremiah 17 says, you live a cursed life if you do not trust in me. Why? Because our heart is absolutely sick and deceitful and it is incurable. When we lean on it, we are deceived. There is no truth that comes from it. He's leading us to a blessed life. And I would like to point out, according to Jeremiah and what he did, God is absolutely not scared of your doubts. He's not intimidated by your questions. What the enemy wants to do is several things. He wants to bring shame. He wants to isolate you. And then he tells you that moving away from the Father will answer all of your questions and bring you peace. As if God is so insecure that he retreats when his motives are put in the spotlight. He is not like us. He's very confident in himself. We're, gonna, we're flipping through a lot of scripture. I should have prefaced that. Y'all turn to Psalms 73. This is the last scripture we're going to flip to. Psalms 73. We're going to start at verse 13, but before I do that, I want to give a little bit of background about this psalm. It's written by Asaph, who is a, a leader of, a director of worship in the temple under the reign of King David. He's a really big deal. And he, in the, because he's a musician, he just has such a great way of laying out what's on his heart. It's such a gift that musicians have. I'm not a musician and I, I struggle. <laughs> but in this Psalm, 
He's asking very similar questions to Jeremiah. How are the wicked prospering? How am I suffering and there are other people who do not love you who seem like life is going very fair? So in verse 13, he says, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. How is this life worth it? How, when I see how there are people who are prospering and I sacrifice, I lead worship, I'm doing the thing. I lead your people. How am I suffering? Verse 16, this is it. When I tried to understand all of this, it seemed hopeless. When I tried to understand it. What does that remind you of? Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. Verse 16 here in Psalm 73, when I tried to understand all of this, it seemed hopeless until until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Until I entered into God's sanctuary, then I saw what I could not see leaning on my own understanding. The answers to our hard questions are not found outside of him. They are found in his presence. And if there's anything that I want to encourage you in today, it's to allow God to prove to you that he is in fact trustworthy. When we allow him to infiltrate those areas where we have some pretty hard questions, are you really good? Are you really trustworthy? They are found in his presence. Remember, Asaph was a worship leader. He was in the ministry. He was doing it all. Leading the people of God. And he had doubts about how trustworthy God really is. But when he deconstructed his faith, when he looked inside of himself and tried to understand 
the answers to his questions when he did it on his own, it only made him more tired. It made him more confused. He kept, he had more and more and more and more and more questions. But when he went into the sanctuary of God, he was able to discern what he couldn't see before. And encounters with God should propel us into daily relationship and obedience to him. But when we look outside and we deconstruct and we think that doing that will be productive, we are wrong because it will only lead us further away from our father who we were created to be connected connected with and when we disconnect we have more questions but when we face him with our hard questions and we understand that he wants to hear that from us like he doesn't already know he can do something with it but when we have shame and when we look inside and when we think that our heart is good and that we can trust it then we will not have relief. I'm not saying that every single answer to your question will be answered, but you know what you will have is peace. You will have reassurance. You will have comfort. And in those moments, God will be moving you up into deeper levels of trust in him. And what he wants to do is reveal to us who he really is so we can have a right perspective. But we don't have the right perspective all the time because he's endless, he's infinite, and he wants to show you a new side, not because he changes, but because we don't have the full picture all the time. Really quickly, I want to end on a testimony that goes with deepening levels of trust in God. Uh, after I had my first kid, uh, I struggled with what's called postpartum depression, unknowingly. And, uh, I, you know, having, being a first-time parent's hard. It's no matter what. It's just a transition. It's hard. So you just get through it. You know, you're just not allowed to sleep. You're just doing, you're just doing the thing. You're just in it. And so in those moments, you know, I would think, well, this is, just norm this is just normal. I just have to get through it. It's just a difficult season. That's, that is what it is. And I struggled for about a year. And I didn't realize what I had been walking through and the weight that I had been carrying until one day, or one evening, I am at home. Jason was um, doing some worship for an event, and I had put Ada, our oldest, to bed. And normally, I would just binge Netflix or, you know, do something mindless, you know. 
and I had a giant pile of laundry on my bed. And I was like, oh. So I started getting through that. I was going to turn on a show, and I felt so strongly that I was not supposed to do that, that I was supposed to turn on a sermon. And I had not really heard the voice of God in a while. And so I do that. I turn on a sermon, I turn on YouTube, and the first sermon that comes up is called Breakthrough in Your Life. I was like, well, I probably could use some of that. So I turned it on. I started watching, and I'm folding laundry, and I'm taking notes on my phone, and I have to stop doing laundry because I'm taking so many notes, and it was like all this revelation, and it, it was refreshing. So I go to bed that night and I have a dream. And in my dream, I was pregnant, I was in labor, and I had a baby, and it was painless and it was easy, which was not my experience with my first kid. And then it flashed forward, it flashes forward, and I'm standing in my kitchen and I'm holding a baby that looks just like me, and I'm I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a flood of peace comes over my body in my dream. And it's quiet, and it's still, and I was joyful. And that was it. And I wake up the next morning and I had joy for the first time in a long time. And I remember thinking I had to take care of two kids that day, but I didn't. But instead of feeling overwhelmed, I felt excited to get out of bed. And I had not felt the same since then. And I love telling that story because in my need... God met me and he healed me and he gave me a new perspective of who he is. Does that mean that I've not ever had a depressive thought before or since? No. Does that mean that I've never maybe walked through a season where I I felt like I was battling that again? No, that's not what that means. But what it does mean is that he gave me a new perspective of who he is and what he can do. So in those moments when I had felt that way since then, I have a perspective of... I know I feel this way right now, but I will not feel this way forever. I know he will walk me through it and I will come out of it in a deeper level of trust and a deeper knowledge of who he is. And in this room tonight, some of you need a new perspective. You've been living with a new perspective for too, or old perspective for too long, and he's calling you up into a deeper level of trust in him. Your trauma does not scare him. It doesn't. And he wants to hear your frustrations that you have with him. He wants to hear it so he can renew your mind. And in this room, if you feel like you need a new perspective of who God is, I want you to raise your hand. 
when we allow him to step in, he will, but we have to take our hands off the wheel. And fear is keeping you from doing that. What if, what if, what if, and what ifs are not of God. If everyone will stand with me, those of you who raised your hand, I want to pray over you as we end. And I believe that God is going to show you a new perspective of who he is so you can move into a deeper level of your trust in him. Y'all pray with me. God, in all of our questions, in all of our thoughts that we have every day, you know every single one of them. And all that you long for is for us to tell you, to confess it to you. Thank you that you are a God who loves us, who does not condemn us, but who draws us nearer and nearer and nearer. And I break the power of condemn or the, the spirit of condemnation off of those right now who feel that you are angry with them. And I thank you that your peace flows over them, just like you did with me, that your peace flows over their hearts and their minds. And I thank you, God, that you continue to reveal yourself to us and that you are not scared or intimidated by questions. Thank you, Father, for your words. Thank you for infiltrating our hearts. We love you. We're grateful for you. Take us into more, God, as we finish out this week. We believe, we thank you for taking us deeper and deeper in our levels of trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.